This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. A date with destiny waiting. Liverpool, back in the autumn of 2004, headed into their final Champions League group game, needing a result. Sound familiar? Well, this is the road to Istanbul. I'm Guy Clark, and of course, it's here on the Blood Red channel where we go through Liverpool's historic 2004-05 Champions League win in Istanbul, recounting the steps along the way. Joining me for this episode to talk about the historic game under the lights at Anfield against Olympia. Piarcos is Christian Walsh. Christian, thanks for uh, for joining me. And we got some game to talk over. We do. I, I think it is probably. So I'm 32 years of age, uh, which I don't look. I know. Um, answers on a postcard. How old I do look? But it's one of the the first, the finer moments of Anfield in terms of. Uh, as a, you know, someone from my generation, it's the sort of game that everybody remembers. People talk about Saint Etienne and, and 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 games like that, whereas Olympiacos was very much one of the first ones for our generation. So I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, it's been a a Champions League campaign that Dan, who often is with me, talks about how Liverpool were new to the Champions League, almost the third incarnation of the Champions League that Liverpool had been involved in. Obviously, there was the UEFA Cup run under Gerard Houllier three or four years previous and, of course, the Roma night and that being a great one. But as you said, this was probably the one that really kicked off, I suppose, modern Liverpool as we know and feel it now. I think it kicked off modern Liverpool. I think it kicked off Steven Gerrard in a way. Don't get me wrong, he was doing fantastic things at Liverpool long before that, but it was very much the moment where he sort of donned the Superman cape for the for the first time in, in on such a global stage and in such a an obvious way of you know, thrashing that ball home at the cop end. But it, it is, it feels like this was very much the the the, the game and, and, and certainly the half which which kickstarted everything. I'm sure we'll touch upon it, but, you know, I, I think without Olympiacos, I mean, obviously Istanbul doesn't happen, yep. but I think the, the, the manner of, of, of the way Liverpool went through that night, um, it, it gave a, a sense of belief and a sense of, well, hold on a minute, this is, this something might be, might be happening here this season um, and and obviously that chasing three goals in 45 minutes was was something that Liverpool had to do in Istanbul and it was something that they do, had to do at Anfield as well against Olympiacos I know it's sort of into the wider thing but there you just sort of saying about Gerard and Istanbul doesn't happen obviously rumours linking Gerard away had persisted prior to this and uh, yeah and even after but had that Champions League win not happened who knows what would have happened with Rafa Benitez because of course Liverpool didn't make the Champions League through the conventional league route you've then obviously even if you fast forward nine ten years you've got the 13-14 season under Brendan Rodgers of course Gerard central to that how would things have, have all played out this really is a game that I don't think we can sort of downplay its significance no no absolutely it's 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 one of the pivotal games in, in Liverpool's history as you say, Gerard himself says, you know, the, in the press conference the day before, I don't want to wake up tomorrow morning in the Europa League, uh, or was it the UEFA Cup UFW, back then? Yeah. UEFA Cup back then. Uh, he doesn't want to wake up in the UEFA Cup. And it was almost the, the moment which where Gerard, the, those words came to pass from, from a strike of his, his, his right boot. As you say, you know, Liverpool don't go through there. You're looking at Gerard potentially going to Chelsea, probably does go to Chelsea the summer after. Rafa Benitez will be massively under pressure because he, he didn't manage to get top four in his first season. Who knows where Liverpool will be even today? 
Well, painting the picture going into the final game, of course, five games played and the group table probably the opposite way around to I'd imagine the pre-season or pre-tournament predictions really. Deportivo had reached the semi-final the year before. They'd not even scored a goal in the five games. In fact, they wouldn't because they lost their final game to Monaco at home 5-0. Monaco were in second then on nine points. Olympiacos were top of the group on 10. Liverpool in third on seven points. They needed to win. If they'd levelled what Olympiacos had done to them away in Greece, it would have gone to goal difference. That was a 1-0 win. Liverpool would have gone through due to that. But the way the Champions League works with the head-to-head first and foremost... If Olympiacos scored, Liverpool had to win by two clear goals. And we all know what happened. We do. Um, Rivaldo from about 20 yards. It's, it's incredible when you think about Rivaldo. And, I, you know, I, I don't know. Our listeners may or may not remember Rivaldo. It makes me a little bit old because I think he's almost one of the most underrated sort of Brazilians, certainly. Yeah. Everyone talks about Ronaldinho. Everyone talks about Ronaldo. But Rivaldo was an absolute player. And the fact that three years after he, he helped guide or, or pretty much... You know, was was the driving force alongside Ronaldinho and, and Ronaldo um, in terms of you know World Cups and, and Brazil. Two years being, after, yeah. Two years it is. Yeah, two yeah. years, two and a half years. The fact that he's at Olympiacos is 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 remarkable. I don't, I don't know what happened there and how how that even happened. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, it, it's. Olympiacos were one of those teams, and it's important to put into context. There in two thousand and four, the you know the saturation of of football wasn't what it was now. You know, Liverpool draw Olympiacos, and I was eighteen at the time, um, maybe seventeen actually, and I didn't know much about Olympiacos. You, you don't know. You just assume that Liverpool will get through because Liverpool are from England and Olympiacos are from Greece. So then you, you actually see the team and you go, well, my word, like this is this is a serious team and they've got one of the, the generation's finest attacking midfielders in, 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 in the, uh, at the forefront of that. So, you know, as you say, we know what happens. And, and, and it was always interesting because, you know, you, you would have backed Rafa in a weird way to, 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 to get a 1-0. Um, very similar to what Liverpool had to do against Napoli um, at the group stage final game last season. But, he wasn't quite Rafa yet at Liverpool. He wasn't quite the Rafa Benitez that he would become, you know, we would, the, 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 the manager that we would end up falling in love with. He was, you know, struggling a little bit domestically. Um, he'd had a bit of a mixed record in terms of, you know, in Europe. It was his first season at Anfield. Um, and yeah, it, it was it was just the fact that you know, if this was a Rafa Benitez side of 2007, 2008, 2009, you'd, you'd back them to, to go through no problem. But this was very much a, a formative Liverpool under under a, a manager who was still finding his feet. So, you know, Olympiacos score. Um, it's 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 a it's a strange free kick. It goes through the wall. I think Chris Kirkland probably plants his feet, and he probably could have done a little bit better as well. And I just remember I was on the cop that night. I was uh, block 103, so I was just to the left of uh, the left-hand post, and the it just deflated. Um, The atmosphere hadn't been anything special up until that point. I think people actually probably turned up expecting a a 2-0 win. They'd they'd beaten Monaco in the opening game, and I think people thought Monaco would be a harder team than Olympiacos. Um, But that sort of deflated everybody because you knew Liverpool would have to score three goals and you're sort of looking at the the players on the pitch and you're wondering, well, where's this coming from? Yeah, definitely. And in terms of goals, well, before that, Liverpool had only scored three goals in the five games beforehand. The 10, just counting it up then, the, the 10 
Champions League group games in this group before this game had only yielded 12 goals between the four sides. So it was, and I suppose it was a time in football where goals really were of a premium. I mean, Olympiakos, and I suppose sitting top of this group, kind of characterised where Greek football was. They just won Euro 2004. We all thought they'd probably fluked their way to that. But how football, and certainly Liverpool under Rafa Benitez as well, became so defence first, complete opposite to how we think of it now, teams playing out from the back and expansive. To score three goals in a game when the clock's ticking was going to be some ask. Yeah, it's it's not. It's uh, I think Liverpool fans have probably been spoiled in the past, even in the past couple of months with Liverpool needing goals left, right, and centre yeah. in in the final five minutes. This isn't. This wasn't really what Liverpool did, and it wasn't anything really that I'd personally seen before in terms of you know three goals in in forty five minutes. It wasn't the, the the routine standard thing that can happen nowadays. The gulf between the teams in Europe were not the same. Um, you know, Olympiacos had, had conceded two goals in five games. So to, to, for them to concede three and 45 was a massive ask for, uh, against the Liverpool team that was still finding this feast under Rafa Benitez, was still trying to find this identity. It had some good results. It had some bad results. Um, so it's, it, yeah, I, I think it's important, the context of this and, and the difference between this and Liverpool's run to Madrid, for example, Um the idea of, of scoring three goals when you need it in the second half of Olympiacos nowadays would be almost met with a shrug of the shoulders. Almost be, well, of course they would because everyone talks about the mentality giants and yep. hadn't really been done before. Um, it'd been done a couple of years previously against Jose, I think it was, in the UEFA Cup. Um, and that was the night when, you know, there was 20, 20 odd thousand on the cup. Um but it wasn't commonplace that teams did this over a sustained period of time. Of course, you had Man United at the Camp Nou um, in the final, you know, two goals in two minutes. But in terms of, you know, English sides in Europe, in the modern game, this 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 wasn't something that teams did. No, and interestingly, just to, to look through it, Liverpool hadn't scored three goals in a game since a 3-2 win over Crystal Palace in the middle of November. So it was near on a month since they'd managed anything like that. And since the previous Champions League game against Monaco, 1-0 defeat out there, obviously the, the 2-1 win over Arsenal's then Invincibles, Neil Mellor scoring a memorable goal in that. We'll have more of him in a minute. And then draws against Tottenham in the League Cup and away at Aston Villa in the league. Before this game, the derby was coming up after it. Liverpool weren't free scoring and really were down to the bare bones, as we'll touch on the team shortly, but certainly at the top end of the pitch, not including in the matchday squad. Obviously, Gibriel Cisse with his leg break. Luis Garcia was out, having been injured in, in the game against Monaco. Vladimir Smith are also not about, but also crucially in terms of before conceding that goal, Liverpool probably wanting to keep a clean sheet. No Igor Bishkan, who maybe derided by some, but as, as Dan's rightly pointed out, was key in the 1-0 away win at Deportivo and was a key cog in the machine, as was, of course, Dietmar Herman. So getting onto the squad and, and just looking at it, it really was sort of, well, all hands to the pump. I mean, the attacking lineup really, the, the most offensive players on the pitch, looking at it to begin with, Harry Kuehl and Milan Barros, guys not really renowned for finding the, uh, the back of the net with all two... Regularity? No, um, I think Barros scored the hat trick in that Palace game that yep. you mentioned, but it was two penalties. Yep. I remember, I remember it clearly. There was a last minute penalty on the cop. Um, so it's it, it's incredible. I mean, Milan Barros is a real interesting one in general because he used to run his backside off. He used to work so hard. He used to, but but he'd he'd run down 
blind alleys and he was so infuriating at the same time. He had he had the endeavour that you needed, but no sense of direction. And he wasn't the sort of striker who, again, it's about context. You, you've got so many players nowadays in the modern game where you go to, the, the big teams have got the go-to players. So Tottenham have Harry Kane, Liverpool have, you know, Mo Salah or, or Sadio Mane, uh, Man City have Aguero. Liverpool didn't have, in terms of a striker, somebody who was guaranteed to, to, to bag a goal a game. Um, so you've got Barros who sometimes could score, sometimes mightn't score, could have a good game. It was so inconsistent. It was incredible. And then likewise, Kewell. You know, we, we all know what how, how his sort of Liverpool career in a way was summed up with the final in Istanbul when he, when he hobbles off. But... The, there is not much there, and therefore you're you're thinking, well, if if Liverpool can see there, they're out. And it was a time very much where Harry Kew was almost being used as like the in the number ten role, I suppose. Second striker, striker, yeah, yeah off off the striker because looking at the lineup, Kirkland in goal, back four, right to left, Finn and Hippier, Carragher and Traore. Then you've got a midfield four of Nunes, Xabi Alonso, Gerrard, and Risa, and then Kewl off Barros at half time. Jimmy Traore sacrificed. On comes. Florence Cinema Pongo, perhaps for his finest hour as a Liverpool player. Yeah, definitely. I can't. I can't think of another one to be honest. Well, finest minute, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just remember the the, the, the the thing I remember actually going into the second half is that the fans sang "You'll Never Walk Alone." I do. I do remember that quite clearly because I'd never really experienced that before. I've been going sort of with regularity there for maybe six years. I'd always been going, but. This was like one of the first European nights where there was, well, it was the first European night where there was adversity at half time, like a real adversity. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was, the, the, and, and straight away Liverpool attacked and, and, and the intent was there. And you sort of knew that they needed to get an early goal. They needed to, to, to trouble Olympiacos because they were looking so rigid. Um, they were looking so so resolute at the back. Liverpool actually in the first half had a couple of chances, I remember. Um but not nothing really of note. I think that there might have even been a, a disallowed goal in the first half. Yeah, for Barros, yeah, yeah, there was. Um but it just felt like it, Liverpool needed to score quickly and, and they did. And and you know, credit to, to Rafa. It's one of those where he was always and he you know, he sort of left with that uh, reputation of being a cautious manager um, so it must have been a, a hard thing for him to take a left back off and bring on um, Pongol I, I, I suppose he would have moved Riza to left, left back, back and Kiel Kiel wide, yeah. would have gone wide so it's almost like a 4-4-2 then yep. um, which again is again very unraffa like but just that extra body in the box just helped Liverpool um, and obviously he, he sort of taps in from, from close range picks the ball out of the back of the net and, and then you're thinking right game on the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. It was Kewl, in fact, who, who got the assist ball, as you say, a minute into the second half, ball pinged out to the left. Kewl with some mazy trickery down the left, which he sort of made his name for at Leeds United, squares it for, for Pongo. And then it begins to tick. The clock gets going. There's a ball up to Barros, a knockdown to Gerard. He smacks it, he goes through Nicopolides in the Olympiakos goal. And a very soft free kick is given. But that was then perhaps, you'll know better than I, Christian, in the stadium, when you're beginning to think, oh, is this not quite going to be? Because the hero's there, Steven Gerrard, he's had the effort. It squirmed through the the goalkeeper, everything you need. And then the referee's whistle goes. Yeah, I remember it really well because it really... It, 
I can't quite remember how much momentum Liverpool were building in that game, but it really, I mean, and obviously you, you were playing with this situation whereby if Liverpool can see the another, they're gone. So Liverpool are still sort of keeping the shape, they're keeping, keeping compact, but also trying to get a goal. And I'm going to, I don't know if you know this guy, but I'm, I'm going to try and guess it was around the 70th minute, 72nd minute. I'm not sure, but it felt like it was one of those where if you were to sort of space out three goals, it would be perfect because, you know, you get the one early in the fir- in the second half and then you build the, the momentum and the pressure. And it felt like when the goal goes in, everybody was celebrating. Nobody in the stadium, you know, this day before VAR, but nobody in the stadium was ever sort of, have dreamt it was, and then you just see him blow his whistle or you hear him blow his whistle, you see him point and sort of say, no, it's a foul. I remember the players were absolutely bemused. The cop was angry. But what it then saved to do was was give Liverpool that second wave and and after a sort of a minute of moping and feeling sorry for themselves, both the players and the crowd, it then kind of erupted into a, you know, right, okay, we, we, we need to get the second goal now. I'll be honest, I, I I did think at that time, well, that's probably the chance gone. I remember clearly thinking that from from my vantage point. I, I remember thinking, well, it's just not our night. Um, but uh, it, it will prove to be, you know, later on in the game that, that it would be. Yeah, and obviously Harry Kuehl had another chance where Feltham tried to cut back on his left and went basically straight back to the goalkeeper with the goal gaping. But then heading towards the final minutes of the game, Milan Barros is sacrificed and Neil Mellor, the hero against Arsenal, comes off the bench and likes in a Marpongo, less than two minutes on the pitch and he's he's got his name on the score sheet. Do you know what I remember about this one more than anything as well? Is um, Antonio Nunes gets the header initially, which is saved by Nicopolidis and then Mella fires on the rebound. Um, because when you were reading out the team, I, I was like, God, Nunes plays, and I'm like, well, of course he played because he sets up the second. Ultimately, it, what what that did was it pushed uh, Olympiak- Olympiakos back even more because Mella was essentially he, he was a target man. Then he wasn't yeah. running the channels. He was he was the the, the, the cleared out ball. He, he was never a target man. Mel's he was a, he was a um, you know he he was better than that. He he could hold the ball up though very well. Um, and his presence immediately sort of panicked them. Um, it's interesting because you talk about that Greek side that's for 2004 never remember about this side they, they had some big guys at the back and you would think well the the source of the trickery of Baros might might work but he sent on Mello to sort of take them on in that sense and yeah. say right okay I can be stronger than you I can be taller than you I can be better than you and it immediately paid dividends I think that was the 82nd minute um, yeah. and you know from there on in you, you realise but, but the, the, that goal comes from Again, just flooding people into the box. There's Nunes, and again, another big fella. Nunes was a big guy, uh, winning the header. And then, you know, Mel is there to sort of convey from from close range again. Um, so there's, you know, two goals from within six yards of each other, I think. And at that point, people start to go, you, you start to believe, again, in the back of my mind, um, I was thinking about the uh, Cup Winners' Cup game with PSG. It's amazing what your mind does, Jordan Games. <laughs> I was thinking about the Cup Winners' Cup game against PSG uh, in 97. That was one of my first sorts of memories of a, of a European night at Anfield and Liverpool were 3-0 down. They were terrible, absolutely terrible in um, the uh, Parc de France. And then um, Liverpool go get, get a goal in the first half, I think, get a goal in the second half at around 80 minutes. 
and then he hammered it off the next ten and just can't get the goal to send it to extra time. And that's what went through my mind. I thought another glorious failure, yeah. basically. Yeah, definitely. And and that sort of feeling must have been really festering in the cop. And talking about Neil Mellor and coming on and getting the goal, different to his Arsenal goal, but he sort of the next cab off the rank in terms of young players coming through the system. He'd scored a bucket full for the youth sides. And now this season, he was beginning to get his opportunity, having been out on loan previously. The final goal, four minutes to go, of all people, and I, I think this is nice looking back and watching it before having this chat, it's Jamie Carragher on the left wing, jinking around with it. He chips it in, it's Mella flicks it down, and Gerard. then what would become the playground thing for lads up and down the country. If you scream Gerard as you hit the ball, it was going in the top corner because that is exactly what happened. And Andy Gray, of course, capturing it for the uh, TV commentary just with you beauty, mm. summing it right up. Yeah, it was, it was incredible. And it, it was such a blur because... As you say, you look back now and you, you go, oh yeah, Carragher did sort of do, do a couple of step overs and sort of cut back in onto his right foot. You know, his days from from being full back there, Carragher obviously served him very well. Um, and then, you know, as as the commentary says, it is a lovely cushion's header because it's, Mella there, I mean, when you watch it back, Mella, he could have easily just tried to, to nod it towards goal. He could have tried to get a bit of power on. How he sort of sees Gerard in that space is is incredible. The reason he's got that time as well, Gerard, in that space is because, you know, Liverpool have pushed Olympiacos so far back. But then, you know, make no mistake, as good as the header is, it's apps, it's it's a ball that's bouncing. And I just remember, again, being on the cop and sort of it bounces to him and you just knew the second he struck that it was in. You you just, you, you saw the trajectory, you saw that it was, it was definitely, definitely going in. Um... And it just it was it was rising, it was it was going sort of it was going towards the side net and it was just it was unstoppable. And the celebrations on the cop were absolutely incredible. The the best ones I'd experienced up until that point in, in my, you know, match match going uh, career, if you will. It was just an incredible feeling. Um and and a moment that sort of sense, you know, the modern Liverpool towards what we know them today. And in terms of just the cushion from Miller, I know the physical side of the game heading is perhaps seen as the ugly side of the game, but watch it again. I implore you to do so because Miller's body's in about three different angles. And as you say, how he even sees Gerard knows the spaces there. I think it's more intuition than anything. Nods it down and Gerard, he's recently done a thing with um, the BT Sport, um, What I Wore uh, football shirt collection thing. And of course he's shown that shirt and he immediately says that success the run to Istanbul and he practiced that volley time and time again on the on the gravel down at the pits everywhere he'd been he'd always been sort of practicing that kind of moment but one of the real telling things and we mentioned it at the top about Gerard he's 24 years old at this time mm. he's been handed the captain's armband I believe the year before yeah. Gerard Houllier's final season and he said when I was given that at 23 when you've still got the likes of Hippier Carragher had been in the team longer than him experienced players in the group and he's the one singled out to take the armband. He said, I had to go to being a man. And this is the first real time he grabs a game by the scruff of the neck and says, we are Liverpool. We're going through. Yeah. But Gerard was always, when he was coming through, he was a fantastic young player. Um, and, you know, he made that, it made such an impact when he scores that goal against Sheffield Wednesday, um, his first Liverpool goal. You know, he's obviously plays a massive part in Liverpool's treble winning season. Uh, and he's, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a mature player, you know, in, in under Julia when they are at the best in t- 2002, the pips of the title by a very, very good Arsenal side. 
Um, and then he sort of strikes up this partnership with Owen, but it was always the Gerard and Owen show. And ultimately, it was Gerard and Owen who got Liverpool into the Champions League for that season. Yep. So 03 04, they finished fourth with, if you can believe this, I think it was it, 56 points. I mean, imagine that now as a 56 points being enough to win, win you Champions League football. Um, so then Owen goes and it's kind of like, well, what now? You know, and Alonso comes in. And he's a different type of player. He's 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 got more class than than anybody's ever seen. You know, in in the past couple of years, in that sense, um, you know, Garcia comes in. He's he's very mercurial. He, he's very frustrating and and inconsistent. But he's fantastic on his day. But Gerard is the one. And you know, Liverpool at that point had had a mixed campaign. Um, they they were looking okay at home. They were looking strong enough at home. I mean, they beaten. Um, Arsenal, as you say, a couple of weeks before in November, away they were struggling. Um, but Gerrard, while being probably Liverpool's best player, hadn't really had the moments, a moment, to sort of hang his hat on since taking over as Liverpool captain. Um, and that was it. That, that was the one in front of the cop. Four minutes to go. This might be your last chance. This probably will be your last chance. Ball's bouncing ball spinning you've got one shot at it and, and he makes it and the celebration you know it's it's, it's such a visceral it's, it's how any anybody who'd, who'd watch Liverpool growing up and support and would have, would have celebrated his arms are just flailing everywhere and, and, and sort of just basically fist pumping the cop and he's almost on the front row and it was the it was the moment that sort of made you realise that everyone knew that he was a special player but it made you realise that Gerard was probably on his way to becoming a Liverpool legend and the kind of moment of obviously there'd been all the talk in the summer, but and and not to sort of discredit what he'd done before because he'd, he, as you said, he'd been a fantastic player. But the kind of moment of, as you say, you're captain now. Come on, what have you got? What's the fuss about? You are now, and as I say, as he said himself, since it is about being the man for the moment, and he had so many moments. But that really, the first time, and I suppose it was something that Rafa Benitez could probably have never, with all the tactical workings he ever worked on, could never have actually sort of equated for happening in matches that Steven Gerrard, this game, even Olympiacos in, in this, uh, sorry, Istanbul in the second half in that, the cup final against West Ham the following season, could quite factor in when Steven Gerrard, when he wanted, when he needed to. Forget all the tactics, lads. I'll play everywhere else. You guys get in the box. You create that space for me and I'll thunder one home. Yeah, sometimes it was to his detriment. You know, sometimes he he, he tries to put on the cape too often. Yeah. And, and, and you know, I, I think I think him and Rafa probably clashed a fair few times over that because Rafa obviously had a very rigid idea of what he wanted from his players. And sometimes Stevie would tear up the, the, the playbook, if you will, and go, no, no, this is on me, this one. And... You know, he, he, but it, that that's what he, that, that, it's almost, that that's something that very few other players can do. We're seeing a little bit more now at Liverpool with, you know, the moments that Salah brings and the moments that Mane brings. A little bit when Suarez was there, Coutinho, but Gerard was, was sort of the ultimate, the original and also obviously the local lads who could, you know, there, there wasn't a, you couldn't defend the Steven Gerrard long range. You couldn't, if you were an op- opposition manager, you couldn't legislate for Steven Gerrard just having a moment. Olympiacos played that game pretty much to perfection, almost for, for 80 minutes. Um, and then, you know, even a 2-1, you know, there's not much, there's, there's a couple of opportunities, but 
they they should have gone through, but you can't. You've got to put the asterisks next to it and go. Stephen Gerrard happens, and and that's what happens sometimes. It's just Stephen Gerrard. West Ham, as you say, the year after, you know, play the game of their lives, three two. You you're sitting there and going, well, this is probably, you know, this this is almost the karma for Istanbul. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're not going to do it again, and then they do it again, and it's just because Steven Gerrard happens, and 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 that's ultimately when you think about that era, and there's so many excellent players. There's you know, Fernando Torres was an incredible player. Um, you know, Dirk Howe was was a working class hero. Alonso, Mascarano, uh, Carragher. I can go on and on. Reina. But it will honestly be the end of the fire by Steven Gerrard because he wants it to be. And finally, just to sum up this game and round us off, Christian, that goal goes in 86th minute of the game. You're on the cop. Did you see anything else? No, no, I, I saw the scoreboard. Uh, this is, yeah, this is the, it was this, I don't think it was the season when the scoreboard came in, but the, you know, the scoreboard was quite a new addition sort of at this point. Um I think it'd been going for a couple of seasons, but yeah, I, I watched the, the scoreboard. It's not the, the scoreboard that is there now. It was more of the LED sort of um, the ticking along. And I can't even, do you know what? I think there might have been four minutes of stoppage time. I can't quite remember. I'm sure someone will be able to correct me on that if I'm wrong. But I feel like Olympiacos had one last chance as well. They certainly had a little foray down because you're thinking, just don't do it now. Don't, don't, don't use there. Um, but then, you know, when it when the whistle goes, it's 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 bedlam because I think at that point as well, it, it, you know, let's to compare it to last season, uh, you know, when Liverpool go through against Napoli, I think that the the, the celebrations and and the, and the joy from that comes from the fact that Liverpool could Liverpool were one of the favourites to win the Champions League, and therefore they've still got a chance of winning the Champions League. I think with with Gerard and Olympiacos, I think it was more Liverpool of 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 earned the right here to, to have a crack at one of the big boys and and sort of not that Liverpool were not a big boy themselves, but you know they've earned the right to have a go here to have another good night and to go on this journey and to to accrue you know European experience. I don't think anybody really on that night thought that it was possible. I think it's only when people sort of sat down and then when they draw Leverkusen uh, the week later when you sort of go. Well, this is interesting. Even then, I don't think many truly believed until the knockout Juventus in the in the quarterfinals. But you know that celebration against Olympiacos was more of a you know on the night. What a brilliant night! What what a, what a, what a memory! Um, and, and what what a special time to to be a Liverpool fan. Um, what what makes it even better? You know, it, it's it's funny because. You know, would Olympiacos go down in the annals of history in the same way if they if they go out to Leverkusen in the next round? It probably wouldn't. It'd be remembered in a similar way to maybe Orzer, where people don't even remember remember it too much. You know, I was too young to remember it, but I know of it. Um, but this is something you know that ultimately kickstarted something very very special. Yeah, job done and in some style. Perhaps only just, but it didn't matter. Liverpool were through to the knockout stages of the Champions League. We will, of course, be back in the midwinter as the Champions League resumes to continue to retrace the steps on the road to Istanbul. I thank Christian Walsh for joining me for this episode. Christian, brilliant memories there to go through. And uh, yeah, thanks for your time. Thank you. Also, I'd like to say I'm, I was very happy I didn't have a drink that night. <laughs> so I've got a, clear, a crystal clear uh, memory of it. 
I did have a few afterwards, though. No, I bet you sure. <laughs> you, I bet you certainly did. But uh, yeah, we'll be back next time in the Champions League for Liverpool on the road to Istanbul. Thanks a lot for your company and for joining us here on Blood Red. And until next time, it's bye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo.